You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Olivia. And I'm Fiona. On our podcast, we challenge Aunt Karen's age-old question. What's your backup plan? We don't have one. Nope. Sorry, Karen. Because you don't need a backup plan to be an artist. Greetings, Hello. backup planners. <laughs> <laughs> the greetings, what, how, welcome to backup, what, planet backup planet, plans. Plan your, plan your backup. Let's try that again. Plan your backup. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We're back. It's we are. Greetings October. and salutations. Um, when mm-hmm. you listen to this, it'll be October, which is the best month of the year, if you ask me. Spoopy season. Let's Spoopy go. Spoopy season. Um, we'll keep this short because our guest is awesome. Yes. And uh, Liv, do you want to talk about who's on the podcast this week? Absolutely. Well, we have uh, one of our dear friends, Wesley Capiello, a Montclair State alumni with us this week. He has been in multiple productions of A Chorus Line. He is a dancer, singer, actor, and writer. He is brilliant, funny, insightful. I mean, all the wonderful things you can imagine about a person that you will... Uh, understand when you start listening to this episode so and he's my great great <laughs> grand little yes if you ever wanted is. to feel old have a great great grand little in your program it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> it'll be great great it'll be great it'll be great great it'll be great 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 enjoy this episode oh, great 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 bye <laughs> fab all right well welcome welcome wesley Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Very excited to have you on today. <laughs> it's nine o'clock at night for our listeners, so we, we were all just talking yes. about our end of the day faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all in pajamas right now, in case uh-huh. anyone was wondering. Very moisturized, too. Yep, we're correct. doing well. Truly filled with dinner. <laughs> Wesley, uh, where in the world are you right now? So right now, I am in just outside of Princeton, New Jersey, in Hamilton, New Jersey. Um, that's where I was born and raised, um, currently living with family during this coronavirus pandemic. Um, and it's, you know, I feel really inspired right now because I live right on, right, um, beside a lake and, um, it just, you know, the view kind of helps me stay like grounded and, you know, through all this chaos, I can just look out and see like the serene body of water and always remember that like things are okay and the earth is still here and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. There are real worries in the world, not just about like my future and you right. know what's when happening when will I dance again yeah, right like, you know right. other things that to worry about that's going around and it's like the world on fire yes <laughs> and, it's and like, they're like who wants does to anyone see need dance? does anyone need artists 
like that. Yes. Oh my God. It's so exactly good. how it is right now. <laughs> too, too, too Wesley, good. Um, we know all about your theater experience, but can you tell our listeners about your upbringing and how you got started in theater? Sure. So actually, I started theater at a very young age. I started um, taking acting classes when I was six years old. Um, so my mom tells me, I don't really remember it, but my mom tells me that when I was young, I used to watch the Annie DVD, or I guess at that time Wait, it was a VHS. One, the 1999 with oh, Kristen Chenoweth and Kathy Bates, the <laughs> yes. good one, the only uh, one taste. that matters. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to get, we're going to get hate mail for that though, you know. Sorry, I stand by it. I <laughs> no, support that one. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, she tells me that I used to like rewind and learn all of the dances and like the songs and the scenes and I would like full out perform it for her and anybody that would come to the house and apparently one day you know this is all hearsay maybe it's not true but I'd like to think it is (laughs) apparently one day I found an acting class and I was like mom I really want to start taking these lessons and you know the rest is history after that I've just been performing ever since Oh, I love that. Uh, that's it. Did you know that you, <laughs> like, did you know that you wanted to go to college for it? Or was it just something that you were doing throughout, like, growing up into high school? I think just my whole life, it's just been something that, you know, was in my destiny. It's just always been my path. I never saw myself doing anything else. I always assumed, like, this is what I would do. And I'm thankful and grateful to be doing it. Or, well, <laughs> to have been doing it and to hopefully be doing it in the future. <laughs> Sometime before 2032. <laughs> right. Before, you know, before I'm 96, I would like to do it again. You've already <laughs> aged out of Annie. Let's not mm-hmm. age out of anything else. <laughs> right. Seriously. <laughs> so we all met at Montclair State. Um, yes. Can you talk to us a little bit? I think you were, what, you were two or three years behind us? I was actually, I... Yeah, I was three years. Uh, I was a freshman when you guys were seniors. So what is that? Three no. years? Oh, three my years. God. It doesn't feel like that long. Yeah, come now. on. I'm your great grand little or oh great, gosh, great grand little. My great, 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 great. great. Um, so, I mean, I know that the program changed while we were there. Like, uh, what was your experience like getting your BFA? My experience was actually really interesting. I feel like I met so many cool and talented directors and staff and other students that really um, informed how I dissect scripts and how I uh, go into my performing process and how I approach scene work. You know, I feel like everybody I met at Montclair helped shape who I am today and how I approach my work. And, uh, you know, without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I, I also feel really grateful to have been in most of the, the big dance-heavy shows at Montclair. I was fortunate enough to be cast in most dance tracks at, at school when I was there. Um, I think I did like eight productions in a matter of like six or seven semesters. God. So that wild. was... It was wild, but also incredible. And I didn't want to be doing anything else. So I'm very right. thankful for it. Yeah. You know, Montclair, it definitely had its ups and downs. There were really low lows, but I'm sure we've all faced those in our time. Um, Times when I thought maybe this wasn't for me and, you know, I wasn't talented enough to pursue this professionally, but you just have to keep trucking through and, you know, nobody else is going to believe in you more than yourself. So you really have to um, just believe that you're going to succeed and that you have what it takes and that your drive will get you where you need to be. And I think that Montclair definitely taught me 
how to be my biggest fan and how to support myself even when it felt like nobody around me was supporting me. Yeah. If that makes sense. For sure. I mean, you graduate and then you truly, like, no one's holding you accountable to show up to dance right. class or voice right. lessons or auditions. Like, that's that's huge. Right. It's all on yeah. you. You don't have to go to any audition you don't want to go to. So right. Right. it's really a self-driven career. Yeah. You started auditioning while you were in school, right? I went on a few auditions in school. I didn't really do... Um, I, I didn't want to do anything that would take me out of school because I knew if I left, I wouldn't come back. So right. I... I auditioned for a lot of summer stocks when I was in school, but mostly um, it was only stuff that I knew that I would be really right for or felt like I could do and still finish my education at the same time. Um, But definitely like that first year out of college, it was such a shock to be auditioning without the sort of um, structure of school behind you. You know, when you're in school, mm-hmm. you like go audition, you don't get the job, you come back to school and you like right. and learn you and better yourself. Right. Class. Yeah, for right. Sure. And it's like, oh, whatever, I didn't get it, but I'm still here doing what I love. So yeah. then, you know, when you're auditioning out of school and you, you don't necessarily get the job, you like go back to your life as a server and you're like, this is asinine. I wish that I were performing right now. This is terrible. (laughs) I hate this, but yeah, you know, it's all par for the course though. That's what this career is. Highs and lows. And um, the highs definitely outweigh the lows. Absolutely. And your senior year, actually, you did do a couple of auditions, and uh, it actually <laughs> booked you the Chorus Line National and International Tour. So This is true. Yeah. That we did our facts. research. <laughs> we do our research. It's cool. You guys um, stalked me. <laughs> how, did that, what, how did that come about? What happened? So that? it was sort of... Um, so A Chorus Line has been my favorite show for as long as I can remember. I was fortunate enough to do it three times before that. Um, so I just felt like I needed to be on that tour. And I was doing a summer stock production that summer. And I saw that they had cast some roles on the upcoming tour. And I was like, no, like, I missed the audition. Like, I'm not in the city right now. I need to be on that show. I need to be a part of it. Like, I knew Byrick Lee was involved. And, you know, if anybody's watched Every Little Step, plug, mm-hmm. plug, plug. Um, if anybody's watched Every Little Step, like, it's just, like, pretty much the entire team that was working um, on that production, aside from Bob Avian, was involved with the tour. And I knew, like, that was ultimately a dream of mine, to work with her on that show and to learn it from her. Because I had done it at community theaters or in summer stock, and it's, it's not the same as learning it from somebody who was actually there when they were putting the show together, who knows what every move means, who knows what every line is coming from, you know? So I was in Summerstock doing the show, and I was like, I need to audition for this. So I got back to school, and I saw a casting call for, like, a few swings and some, like, random roles that I guess they had yet to fill. And I skipped class one day. I was like, screw this. I'm going to go try out, because I wasn't cast my senior year in anything. So I was like, (laughs) F you to Montclair. I'm going to go try out for this. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror that morning and saying... I am not coming back to my room until I get this job. And that is the first and last time I've ever said that about an audition. But I I did. I went in that day and I had callbacks for like the next four days in a row. And then I was doing some press stuff and I still didn't know if I had gotten it. But everybody I was working with on the press stuff had found out that they had gotten it. 
Oh, I remember hearing about that. Yes, it was so wild. It was such a surreal experience because I was, you know, we were doing some, like, promo stuff, so we were doing some choreography from the show, and we were, like, rehearsing with Bior, quote-unquote, like, staged rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And, um... I just remember being in a room full of people who knew that they had the job, who had been cast months prior to this, and being, like, the only person who didn't know, and I forget who it was, but somebody on the way out was like, see you soon, and I just remember being like, oh my god, like, what does that mean? Does that mean (laughs) that I got it? And then I found out the next week that I had gotten it, and thankfully... It really worked out with my schedule because our rehearsal process started at the end of my first semester of senior year. It didn't overlap with school at all, really. So I got to finish my first semester of senior year and then applied the tour as the rest of the credits that I had to fulfill. And I was able to graduate in three and a half years instead. Yeah. So that was nice. And and I got the job and it was my first swing job, which was so scary. But I, I'm sure we'll get into that. Like that too. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. But God. let me tell you something. I had been preparing uh, I didn't know at the time, but I had been preparing to be a swing on that show since I fell in love with that show. I had studied that show. I had studied each role, each character, each step, each formation more than and maybe anyone else should ever study that show because I was so obsessed. And um, one of the productions I did in high school at a community theater, they gave us a bootleg of the Broadway production, the latest revival, the 2006 one. And I just remember, like, even long after the show had ended, um, my production that I was in, I just watched it over and over. I was just so obsessed. And I was like, I need to do this. And I need to do it like this, in a space like this, taught by Biorkley. Like, I need to do this. So I was actually way more prepared than I thought I was, which was nice. It's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> just, you know, a little obsessive theater boy in high school, just watching a chorus Fine. line every it night. paid off. <laughs> no it friends. Really <laughs> I mean, what was that like? going into rehearsals swinging for the first time but also with the pressure and I'd imagine like a lot of expectation of what it's going to be like with Bayerk. Well let me just tell you I just need to state this for the record swings never get enough credit they are the hardest working people in this business and they are the least rewarded people in this business absolutely Um, Mm -hmm. it is such a hard job and so unrewarding at times and um it it makes you feel like an outsider at times, but it is so fulfilling when you get to go on and, and do different tracks. Um, but coming into the show, you know, my first day was so daunting because I was covering, f- I think, uh, it was either four or five tracks, which is huge for that show because you don't get to go off stage ever. Mm-hmm. So you right. just need to know what you're doing and they give you this is maybe a little chorus line secret for those of us out there that don't know on your first day of rehearsal they give you pretty much a printed copy of the show like formation by formation on a piece of paper and um, you get a separate one for each of the tracks that you cover so that's really nice it's like a bare bones way of looking at the show and just seeing like okay I go from here to here and on this line I move to here and I move to five and I'm in line with the second wing and I'm in line with the girl playing Maggie you know so that you know at first that's really daunting but once you fill it in and once you sort of memorize it and get it into your body it's it's second nature and um Bayork is so helpful 
with her swings. She really appreciates her swings. We would have our own separate rehearsals just with her. Wow. Sometimes one-on-one, and we would work on material with her alone, which was awesome. And I it, wish it, everyone did that. I know, right? It's, it's really awesome to feel, um, like, accepted and, um, like... Like, appreciated? Yeah, appreciated. Embraced as a swing, you know, because I feel like that doesn't happen so often. And I I have swung the show one, two, three times now at uh, the professional level. And, you know, you don't always feel appreciated. So it was nice that at least she appreciated the swings, you know, not necessarily the cast appreciated us all the time, but (laughs) she always let us know how much we were appreciated and how much... Um, we were helping her out and how much she needed us and loved us. So that That's was really so nice. Sweet. It was yeah. nice to have the support from her. So mm-hmm. it felt like if we fell, she would definitely help us back up. And I know that she right. seems a little scary, but she is really the sweetest human being ever. And yeah. she is so nurturing and so nice. And, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. She really helped me. And I, now I feel like I can swing anything. I yeah. feel like now that I've done that, I am now, Well, set. now you're like a member of the club, too. Like people know you can do it. It kind of feels <laughs> that way. <laughs> and then yeah. right after that, too, you auditioned for the New York City Center production of A Chorus Line, right? Oh, yes, I did. So there's tell a, us, tell us. There tell was us a everything. lot that happened in between um, the tour and City Center. So the, tour, the U.S. leg of our tour was... Uh, like four or five months and then we had a three-month layoff in which I went to Albany, New York and I did a production of Damn Yankees and then we flew out to Japan and I got a promotion. I ended up playing Don in Japan and I still, I was still swinging while I was playing Don so that was crazy and there was, I know and there was one performance what? How does, How that, does work? that work? Like if you the math like, isn't math. If someone <laughs> covering someone, someone else like is there an understudy who goes on? For yeah, no so one? Like, I I had two understudies personally, and oh. then I covered two other people. So there was one show actually where um, my friend Charlie was playing Al at the time, and he had a really bad hip injury. We were in Japan. The show schedule is so different. You do shows at like noon and four. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have a break in between. And on a show like A Chorus Line, it's really awful on your body. And we would be doing like nine shows a week, sometimes upwards of ten shows a week. So, um, And it was a bus and truck tour, so it was like really hard on your body. But my friend playing Charlie, or my friend Charlie was playing Al at the time. And there was one show, I was understudying Al, and he like popped his hip out of place. Or something like that. Something really crazy. And he could barely walk. And I just remember going off stage in the middle of the show, like, for, like, a quick second in the montage. And they were like, just so you know, your Al costume is set up. If you need to run off stage and get into it, you're going to be Don and Al. And then I ran back on stage and, like, continued the show, like, thinking about how I would do the rest of the show if I had to be both parts. Thankfully, he ended up finishing the show. But... Could you imagine, oh like, be Dow? Dow, that's what I kept saying. That's what I kept saying. I was like, oh well, you know, Al doesn't get his own story in the show, so I kept saying, like, now he would finally get his own story on yeah. on the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so so anyway, going back to the city center question. Um, so uh, when I was in Japan, my brother um, unexpectedly passed away, and I had to leave early. And so, you know, that is, like, a really jarring experience when you're 6,000 miles across the world. 
and you get that phone call and you have to leave. And so to me, you know, aside from all the emotional turmoil I was going on, I was going through in regards to my family and that situation, um, just for my career, it felt like my time with the chorus line was not done because it, it had ended so abruptly. It ended in the middle of a show week. And I think we had like four shows left on the contract. So it was like right before the end, right before the big celebration for everything, like job well done. And I just remember thinking to myself, like on that plane ride home, like this isn't it for me. Like that's not how my story with the chorus line ends. So they did auditions for city center while we were in Japan. But I guess that there were a few roles that they had yet to fill. So when we came back, um, there was like maybe three weeks in between us coming back. And then they had a, a private call for us, the tour cast, and we got to go in. And now again, if you've ever seen every little step, it was the full team from every little step that mounted the Broadway production. So it was like Bob Avian included this time Byrickley, Peter Faleski was there. Uh, just all of these really amazing people. John Breglio, who, uh, is a part of the Michael Bennett estate, like just, all of these really cool people. Binder was there. It was just so daunting because I had watched that movie so many times. And in college, when I was like depressed or felt like this career wasn't right for me, I would watch every little step. And I would see these people give these uh, amazing jobs to performers. And I would see these performers just like revel in that experience and just be so excited to be working and to be working on a show like that at that level. And I, I just knew that you know, you, I just felt deep inside that one day, hopefully I would get to experience that. So it was so daunting to actually be standing in front of them at that moment. And I think that with all of the emotional turmoil that I was going through at the time, it sort of made that audition easier because I was, I wasn't so focused on, I wasn't, normally I'm like thinking about like, oh, like, did I feed my cat this morning? Like, did I leave the iron on? Like, oh my gosh, like, I really have to shower. I'm sweating so bad. Like, do they even think I look good? Like, this time, you know, after you get a phone call like that, where, you know, reality sets in, you realize, like, what's important and what's not. So when I went into that audition, I was only focused on the work. And I was only focused on doing a good job. And I was really prepared because I had swung mostly almost every male track in the show, you know, aside from like Richie, um, because that would be inappropriate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I just went into that audition and I was like, you know what, like whatever happens, happens. Like there is a one in a million shot that I'm going to get this job. Like everybody in New York auditioned for this. Like the odds are stacked against me. Like it's just really nice to be in front of these people. Like just enjoy this experience. You've wanted it your whole life. Hopefully one day again, you'll get to do, or hopefully one day soon you'll get to do it again. You know, not even thinking that I would book the job. And so they called a few of us back to like read and they had people read for the roles that they played on tour, but I was a swing. So they had me read for, um, for Don because I had just played him in Japan. And after I had performed the Don monologue and the song, they were like, you know what? Would you mind doing the Greg stuff? Now the Greg stuff, I hadn't performed or prepared in maybe six months. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And and instead of being like, can I just have a minute to go outside and do it? Like, prepare it. I literally was like, sure, one second. I turned around. I was wearing this, like, quarter zip 
sweater. I zipped it all the way up like a turtleneck, up my neck, and I turned around and I delivered the fiercest Greg that I had literally (laughs) ever done, (laughs) literally bearing it all. And then, you know, two days later, I got a call in the grocery store and I was crying over cold cuts that I was going to be in City Center's production. (laughs) I want to cry over cold cuts. (laughs) Literally so embarrassing. Everyone was like, dude, this is just ground turkey. Like, why are you crying? (laughs) Like, please relax. Yeah, like, I am a vegetarian. Like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Sir, this is a shop, right? Please. (laughs) Right, literally. They were like, are you good? But, like, I wonder how much of you being successful in that was just you being, like, you know what? Like, what you were saying earlier about the lake, like, not a whole lot else mattered. Like, you you just hone in on it. It was, you know, obviously, like, that was an awful traumatic experience that I went through. But it really helped put things into perspective. And it it really helped me in that moment give a performance that I could be proud of and that, (laughs) you know, I, I was like taken aback I didn't think that I would ever get to experience that and it was just so shocking and amazing and just a very full circle moment that I got to finish my time with the chorus line for now at least with that production and that's how you got your equity card right it is (laughs) and so I mean I can only imagine like after going through what you went through with your brother passing and then having this high and this rush of getting your equity card through your dream show is mm-hmm. just like such a rewarding experience. For yeah. You. Dream show, dream job, dream team. Like everything just fell right into place. It felt incredible. And there were a few of us that got our equity cards doing that show. And I remember the day that we like, you know, you sign a bunch of paperwork, mm-hmm. excuse me, when you join equity. And I just remember that, um, you know, we all, signed our paperwork and went up to the equity representative in the front of the room and just everybody, you know, all of these Broadway stars that I had idolized and looked up to for years and just like literally never thought that I would be in the same room as were just applauding that I was joining the union with them and that I was, you know, on board with them. And it was just, you know, that was something I'll never forget. It was just such a warm, inspiring moment in my life. Yeah, absolutely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. How, if any, like how has the way you interpreted this material and like dance, this choreography? changed as you've grown and done multiple productions of it. It's actually so interesting that you ask me this because I, you know, in college I was very much a perfectionist and, you know, I, you know, my leg needed to be a certain height every time I did it like X, Y, Z move. And, you know, I had to hit X amount of turns every time I performed in a show, you know, and 
when it came to doing a chorus line, Bayrak was just like, relax, like, this is what the choreography means, and the meaning is way more important than how you look doing it. Like, if you're getting the meaning across, like, that's what matters. And honestly, that was so eye-opening to me because I... I really like to approach things from an actor standpoint, but I had never been able to blend dance and acting until, I, it sounds so silly, but until she opened my eyes to that, I wasn't able to do it myself. And now I feel like everything I approach is from an actor standpoint, a storytelling standpoint. It's mm-hmm. not about the choreography or how you look. It's about if you're getting the story across. To me, we're storytellers, so that is the most important thing, you know? You know, there's always going to be somebody who looks better. There's always going to be somebody who can get their leg higher, do more turns. But if you're giving the story and you have the meaning behind it and you know what you're saying through your movement, then that is what matters at the end of the day. And that is something Mm -hmm. you really can't be taught. That is something you have to bring out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so, 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 so important. And it's weird how, like... I think it's safe to say for the three of us, we've learned that mostly through working. Yeah, yes. true. Yeah. And we've learned it. I mean, school does really wonderful things, but that when it when the dots connect is when you're applying it through your job. Right. Mm-hmm. And it and reflects different Absolutely. muscles with different yeah. stories you tell. And you you know, when especially when I was working on the City Center production, I saw that show like I had never seen it before. And especially, like, in rehearsals, seeing these people I idolize, like, fall out of turns and just really go for it and mess up and not be ashamed of messing up. Like, that to me was just something that really lit a fire under my ass and just made me realize that it's not always about perfection. It's about the story and yes. and, and yeah. how the audience leaves feeling changed or... Or they were just transported away for two hours and they forgot about their troubles, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what's important, not the height of my leg or the number of turns. Right. You know? Oh, I I mean, in a chorus line, one of the main uh, ideas that they talk about is, like, the idea of what I did for love. When the characters are asked what they would do if they could never dance again, has your perspective on that idea changed since we've been forced to stay home and had our jobs taken away? It's definitely something that has crossed my mind a few times, but right now... Not that we're never going to dance again. Right, right, right. But, but, but just, you know, the, the body clock is what it is, you know? A body clock doesn't wait for a pandemic, and you can only dance until you're a certain age. You know, your body can only take so much. And I've been dancing since I was, you know, six years old, so my body is definitely going to give out soon. However... These legs are going to keep kicking until they cannot kick any longer. Like, (laughs) I don't care if I have six knee replacements. These legs are going to kick. But I have, you know, I have thought about what would happen when I can't dance anymore. And I think there are other ways to be in this career aside from dancing. And, you know, there's there's always like film and television and stuff like that, you know, acting based stuff. But also there's so much behind the scenes stuff and you can always choreograph and direct, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to necessarily say goodbye to the business when you can no longer dance. And I think that, you know, at the time a chorus line came out, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, sometimes like when you were a dancer back then, like that was your career. Dancing was was your your career. And then you were done. Right, but I yeah. think since that show, the term triple threat has really um, 
like come into fashion. Everybody really strives for that now. So um, you can sort of branch out into other things. You know, you're not so much just a dancer anymore. You can also sing. You can also act. You can also play an instrument. You can mm-hmm. write plays. You know, you can do so many things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that um, what I did for love to me was always like, what can I do if I can no longer have art or be involved in art in my life? Mm-hmm. And that right now, you know, I, I have listened to that song actually a lot since this pandemic, but don't tell anyone, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, Secret's safe with all of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listeners, this is an exclusive. <laughs> um, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> right. But um, it's just those words are so profound and really for any profession, you know, or any passion you have in your life, those words just, you know, what would you do if you can't do what you love anymore? It's not necessarily just for dancing. It's for everything. You know, accountants who love to do accounting can like listen to that song and be moved by it because what would you do if you can't? Math. Be an accountant math. anymore. I mean, right. personally, I hate math, but you know, there are people out there who love yeah, it. Same, same. I'd celebrate, but it's fine. It's fine. Right. Maybe not the best example, but whatever. <laughs> we try. It's true. So, with our industry shutting down, when it reopens, what change do you maybe hope to see? This is like definitely a loaded question. I mean, first and foremost, I would love to see some more diversity on stage, off stage, surrounding theater, surrounding the arts. But even like more than that, I would love to see different kinds of stories, different stories about different cultures, about different backgrounds, about different upbringings. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like recently we've gotten... A little bit more of those things, but nowhere near enough and nowhere near um, what is represented in our country. You know what I mean? I think that the arts can be a really profound experience for people. And I think that it really has the capability to change lives and to make you see things from a new perspective. But we can't do that until everybody's story is being told until Mm -hmm. all types of stories are being told. And if America truly is the melting pot of the world, we should be performing shows that show that. So I think that's what I would like to see in theater when we open back up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not just, not just um, diversity and inclusion in people playing roles that already exist, but in the material that, the stories that are getting told for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think just some different voices would be heard. And I think that's what different bodies being seen, seen, right. Different voices, Mm -hmm. different bodies, different ages would be nice. You know, not everybody's a a 25 to 35 year old gym bod, you know? Right. 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 Well, also I think about shows like Hamilton where all of a sudden, like these stories, I mean, Hamilton is amazing, but all of a sudden, like these stories that we know and we accept as being important and worthy of being turned into art we're being told by different voices than we're used to hearing tell those stories but like why can't we hear similar voices telling their stories like why do we need to hear an old white guy's story in order for it to be 
I agree. Relevant. Broadway. You know, Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton is definitely great for what it is, but I think it's right. definitely a stepping stone for into sure, the future. For sure. No, yeah. it's, and it's done so much. We just need, we need to continue moving in that direction. Right. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So I always think about the fact that you never see like, a, it's so rare at least that you see like, a black lorry in Oklahoma or like yeah. an, an overweight Adelaide or, or like, a, a, you know, there's so many examples that you can pull out that are like that. And there's no reason why in 2020 we can't have those voices being heard or seen or, you know, to me personally, if I were ever to be like casting a production, you know, who knows if that'll ever happen. But like to me personally, I think that like I I would not care so much about how people looked like on stage. I would care about the talent and I would care about the the story being told and how, you know, sometimes casting a, a different like a different voice is just it adds so many layers, so many things that don't even need to be talked about, but are just there because mm-hmm. that person is there. And it's. It's eye-opening, and it's exciting, and it's Mm -hmm. intriguing, and it's just what we need now. I think it would breathe new life into theater. Absolutely. 100%. We ask our guests every single week, uh, what is keeping them inspired this week? And I know that there's a lot happening (laughs) Um, currently. Pre-election, 34 days, right? (laughs) Something like that, yeah. At the time of this recording, we have just watched the debate last night, and we all have a headache. Skip, skip, Mm -hmm. skip. It was terrible. It was awful. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. anyway, I lost hair from it. I lost lost years of my life watching that. Everything, yeah, right. (laughs) Brain cells, it's fine. Um, But, Wesley, what is keeping you inspired this week? Um... This week and actually throughout quarantine, I've just been, I've always had a passion for playwriting as well. And I decided that with this time, I was going to pursue that. So I've actually, I wrote one play and I'm in the works of writing another one. And and, um, that honestly is just so fun to me and so interesting. And I don't know if they'll ever be performed, but just the fact that, you know, I'm I'm creating stories and, and just just creating art myself and and rather than performing in somebody else's art is just mm-hmm. really fulfilling to me when I can't be doing it live yeah. on stage you know what i mean and it, and it's also just nice to see like when you're writing something and i've done like a a zoom reading or two of my my own play it's nice to see like so many different interpretations of your own work yeah and yeah. and what i thought in my head was nowhere even close to what was being performed but was so much better when it was being performed because somebody else's eyes were on it somebody mm-hmm. else was speaking it you know Someone it was their interpretation experience what you were talking right. about before yeah right exactly yeah. and and not even an experience that i even thought would be there but it just came up from someone else and it's just so interesting that you know art is living and breathing and theater is living and breathing you know the yeah. live aspect is really what makes it and so anyway, I'm going on a tangent now, but that's what's been keeping me inspired. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Fiona, what is keeping you inspired this week? I'm going to keep mine short this week, um, but I have been taking sort of a big career leap um, that 
tell you more about it soon. Um, but I've been like really um, digging into it the past couple of weeks and actually um, learning about it and getting practical application and um, getting to do something that makes me feel lit up and like my creative um, energy is being used again. So that's been really mm-hmm. inspiring. It's been it's that's been amazing. cool and to be supported by like I've been I've had some really really amazing mentors in it. So that's been really really inspiring to me. That's How about so you, wonderful. Liv? Love that. <laughs> um, to be honest, I found uh, this week and, and the week last week to be really uninspiring um, with everything that's happening in our world, especially in our country, um, and seeing how we are reacting to one another with such a lack of empathy and a lack of basic human decency. I mean, I'm from Jersey, and I didn't think that we could get this volatile uh, like as a whole, and to see it is really disheartening. But um, I this week learned the importance of rest and the importance of taking care of myself because I am... As much as I love to work, I work really hard and I just work really hard. And so I don't rest and I'm really hard on myself. Um, and so I lear- I was learning the importance of I can take a break from the world and from my thoughts and from this need to always look to do something to all the time because that's not going to be productive if I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I did see that um, this year, 300,000 new voters have been registered yes. to vote this year. Yes. And I saw that today. Yeah. And Good. I felt such a surge of joy to know that so yes. many people care again. Um, so this episode is coming out on, let's see, October 5th, Monday, October 5th. So um, in most states, I believe, I did a little bit of research today, in most states, if you're listening to this episode on October 5th or that week, most states you still have time to register um, to vote in person. In some states you still have time to register for an absentee ballot to request it. Um, So we've offered this before, but I'm sure Liv can back me up on this. If you need help, send either of us a DM, send us a DM on the podcast Instagram. We will help you make a voting plan. Please vote. 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 Even if you have questions about candidates this year or where Mm -hmm. to go or any of that, you can talk to us. Like we said, we don't like being volatile or any of that. So if you do have genuine confusion and feel lost or scared because you feel pressured to vote one way and want to vote Mm -hmm. another way. Or have never voted before or any of that. I mean, this is my, full disclosure, this is my first election because I just became an American citizen. Yay! So I've been learning all of it. Um, So, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to judge, no pressure, but um, reach out. Uh, Just reach out. Make sure you know, you know what you're going to do. Know your plan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Wesley, for any of our listeners who want to find out more about you, how can they follow you? Ooh, a plug. So if anybody wants to follow me, <laughs> you can follow me at www.wesleycapiello.com. That's W-E-S-L-E-Y-C-A-P-P-I-E-L-L-O. The longest name ever. Or you can follow me on any social media at Wesley Capiello. Nailed it, but you'll never forget it. (laughs) Never forget. (laughs) Never forget it. Wesley, thank you for joining us this week. And to our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. We are wishing you a week of optimism, fulfillment, and never sticking to your backup plan. 
Hey, what's your backup plan, listeners? If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today's episode was produced by Olivia Valley and Fiona McIntyre, with original music by Dario Valley as a part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.